Eventually Super Train episode 102. This is a short-lived TV show podcast. We talk about three short-lived TV shows each episode. We go episode by episode through them. Generally, I have a guest host joining me. My name is Dan, by the way. I'm I'm your main host. Uh, Sometimes I do shows solo. I just finished On the Air, David Lynch and Mark Frost On the Air, the previous episode. But this episode and the next... The next few, we will be, we will have guests on all three segments, and um, and guests I hope you'll like because they're good people, and we're chatting fun shows, having a good time, trying to um, just cover uh, cover short-lived TV shows that never got enough love, and eventually we will cover Super Train. Eventually we will. To be honest, the other day I was looking for my copy, my DVDRs of Super Train, and I've misplaced them. They're around here somewhere. Anyway. In this episode, we're going to start up a brand new old show. More or less, this one's a little different from the other ones we've done. We're going to continue our discussions uh, through another show. And we are going to conclude a show. And uh, give, give me one second. I was trying, going to try to count how many shows we have completed. I will say that in this episode we complete Auto Man with my friend Kristen um, completing a second full series with me. She did cover the Green Hornet with me um, about a year, year and a half ago. I don't know how many series we have completed, but it's Auto Man is at least 21. I bet if I think a moment, possibly 22. But Auto Man is at least 21, which I mean is pretty is pretty cool. I mean that we we've we've now covered in nerdish detail over 20 short-lived TV shows ranging from uh, the shortest we've done is Beyond Westworld which was five episodes and the longest was Bourbon Street Beat which was 39 and Bourbon Street Beat will still probably win out as the longest running now we did do a pilot or two but those those are TV shows a pilot is is not a TV show. I mean, it is a TV show, but it's not, it's not a TV series. How about that? As far as TV series go, um, we're at 21. I'm trying to think. I, f- I feel like I'm I'm missing one. There were so many when I kind of went through them in my my mind. And, and some of the ones I do by myself, I kind of like, do you remember when I covered Future Cop? Yeah, I forgot too, but I covered Future Cop. Do you remember when I covered The Immortal and I was watching it off of old sci-fi channel airings and then around episode 13 it got released on video or dvd it got video it got released on dvd which was nuts yeah so um this one i'm, I'm sorry i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh, blabber on um but please join me for my uh, brand new monsters today podcast which i'll be getting soon i'm kidding i happened to see a couple episodes of monsters today the other day it's the most beautifully bad show ever, but it ran for three full syndicated seasons, so we're not covering it on here. Anyway, why was I talking about Monsters today? Okay, in this episode, we are going to discuss, well, we are going to begin with a brand new old show. And we are going to 1986, and we are going to England. We're going to the BBC, our uh, third British show, correct? Because we had a good friend Gore Blimey on. Miss you, Gore. Hope to have you on again soon discussing uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place and Man Man with Dean Lerner, both wonderful shows. Um, we are. This is another six-episode show, um, but it, I'll talk about what it is. It's 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 a bit different from those two, and it is the Dennis Potter written, uh, Michael Gambon starring, The Singing Detective. 
and um, you'll you'll hear us go in detail. I won't tell you who the guest host is. How about that? You'll you'll find out who the guest host is when when we get to it. But the Singing Detective is one of my favorites. And this advanced warning, and I will go into this deeper as we go. There will be spoilers all over our discussions, and I'll say that about ten more times before we begin discussing. But spoilers uh, will prevail. Second segment will be the return of Mitchell Hadley. Well, he was here last episode, so he's he's still hanging around. And we'll be discussing episode three of Search from 1972 with the first appearance of Mr. Doug McClure as uh, C.R. Grover. I think that's his name, C.R. Grover. And then we will be closing the episode with the great Kristen Hawes and myself discussing Club 10, the 13th and final, the unaired episode of Auto Man. And Auto Man will end, and at the end of this episode, Auto Man will be gone, and and, um, next episode we will have another brand new old show joining us. But we still have this one to do. So let's dive in. Singing Detective, Search, Auto Man. Let me play a little bit of the Singing Detective theme, and then we'll begin our discussion of the very first episode of this uh, series, Skin. show actually this is a this is a proper miniseries from britain bbc the singing detective directed by john emile uh written by dennis potter and every episode is is directed and written by uh those fellas this aired originally 16th of uh, november 1986 starring michael gambin uh, jim carter patrick malahide allison steadman janet Susman, imelda staunton joanna wally bill patterson lots of people Lots of people. And this is the first episode we're discussing. Uh, you'll, you'll recognize the person. I'll, I'll surprise you if you don't know who, if you don't know who the, the special guest is. I'll surprise you. It's someone you may know, though. And it's not like Dennis Potter or someone who's starring in it. But that would be cool, though. But trust me, this person is cool. And we're discussing the first episode, Skin. And what's going to happen with this is I'm not going to go too in-depth into the plot lines. Because that would take all day. Just... Suffice it to say, a um, uh, writer of detective fish, fiction, uh, Philip Marlowe, I believe Philip E. Marlowe, um, has been hospitalized. He has, I'm going to get this wrong, psoriatic arthropathy. And we'll talk about what that is, and you can also look up what that is. Dennis Potter himself suffered from it. And he is in basically like a um, severe ward in a hospital with a lot of like heart patients and people who are not well and he is not well when the story begins and he is suffering from writer's block he's also in a lot of constant pain and um he keeps up a bit of black humor and a bit of sass throughout but he's constantly sorting through images in his mind some sort of film noir looks like it's post-world war ii possibly involving a spy some russians um a beggar a murder um prostitutes um, old 40s um, songs and such being sung. Uh, if you've seen Pennies from Heaven, his, um, his uh, well, the movie and, and the miniseries, he, he's a big fan of um, 
playing the oldies and having people lip sync to them. And when I say oldies, I don't mean oldies like the Beatles or the Beach Boys. I mean older, older than that. Which we, again, we will discuss this, but he spends, yeah, Marlo spends his time in this hospital bed not well at all. Um, I am telling stories in his mind, possibly hallucinating. There are lots of things that don't really make sense at this point. A lot of strange things going on. A lot of condescending nurses and doctors. A lot of strange patients around him. And I'm not going to... Here's here's the way seeing the tech is going to work, folks. I may give you a little plot breakdown, but this is going to be one of the few times where we're going to spoil the heck out of this. I mean, it's a miniseries. There, there's no way in heck we can like get to episode 6 and discuss it decently if we're only discussing half of each of the previous episodes. So we are going to spoil the hell out of this. So if you have not seen The Singing Detective, I would hop ahead about a half an hour at this point. Um, because, yeah, we're going to spoil all over this, and we are going to do that throughout as we're trying to come up with our own explanations and interpretations of what's happening to Mr. Marlowe as he's in his hospital bed and who, in fact, The Singing Detective is because there is... A singing detective who looks a lot like Michael Gambon, who saying, "Well, he's not in this episode well much, only briefly in this episode." But um, I'm going to stop there. I'm going to stop there because I could go on forever. If you've seen the singing detective, please continue listening, and um, hopefully you enjoy it. If you haven't seen the singing detective, hopefully, if you listen to this, there's so much going on that it won't make any sense to you. There's a good possibility, and when you do see it, you can enjoy it. But please, spoiler, 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 spoiler alert. Throughout all six episodes of Seeing Detective, and I will say this at the beginning of each of them, and I'll probably say it again before we begin talking. So let me play you a little something here, and then we will discuss episode one, Skin. Skin. Here we go. Episode one of The Seeing Detective. I will, I will say this again. I did say it in the intro, but I will say it again. All, all spoilers all the time. We're not. We're, we're treating this as if you. I mean, it's it, this is a mini series, so it's not like an Auto Man. If you like, haven't watched episode eleven, who cares? You have to watch this in order from beginning to end. So skip ahead some number of minutes, maybe twenty twenty five minutes from this point, if you don't want any spoilers, because we're going to be spoiling all over this. And who am I spoiling it with? Hi, it's Madeline. Hey, it's We're a, getting spoiled. My sweet wife is back. It's been a while. It's been Ellery Queen since since Ellery Queen, yeah. I think, the last thing we did. Mm-hmm. And I so I thought I'd keep it detective-y but with you, but this is a yep. little different. It sure this is. This is a little different. It's so wonderful. So um uh you I know you'd seen this before because I've shown this to you at least once before. But um, just uh, we'll start with overall thoughts and then we'll just dive into more specifics. Well, I guess I experienced it kind of like the main character because I was in and out of consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's well, right. I don't know that I've ever fully seen the series uh, mm. I awake. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we've made it to the end. I don't... Yeah, what struck me watching it this time um, is... So he has this psoriatic arthritis, uh, which makes his skin very tender and uh, uh, oh, it's, it looks terribly painful. Um, and he has these high fevers, mm-hmm. so he has these uh, fantasies. Anyway, it kind of made me think, since we're in the middle of this pandemic, we're recording this on Valentine's Day, actually, 2021. Hey, so we're almost This a, is for you, you lovers. For you lovers out there. We got you, you under s- my skin. Singing detective lovers. Yes. Yeah, or just detective lovers. Mm. Do you think detectives often fall in love with each other? 
Uh, I don't know. I was going to say Nick and Nora Charles are not really. They were already. Um, yeah. Not not really. I don't think she was mm-hmm. a detective when they started. She she became one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Were the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew kind of? Uh... Would they ever get together? Did they? I don't know. Right. I, maybe di- the, I digress. Maybe but... in the Swedish version or something. But it made me think about, you know, what happens when your life suddenly becomes a lot smaller, like in the pandemic, mm-hmm. and he is now in this ward of, um, you know, ward of people when he was used to. I don't know that his life was that big before because he loved to write. Anyway, uh, I don't know. Maybe you want to cut all this out because it's not no, very please. good. No, please. Uh, there was one other thought I had. And it's gone now. Well, you, you, you remember it again. Uh, we'll come back to it. But yeah. Oh, we're... no, I remember it. I was reading. I thought I'd try to do a little more research this time around so it wasn't just me going off on tangents <laughs> about Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys so far. No luck. But um, I read that Dennis Potter wanted the stuff in the hospital to be shot like a sitcom oh yes i've read uh, yes I and the that, yeah. the noir stuff to be shot in black and white he didn't ultimately win that uh, mm-hmm. battle but i watched it with that in mind this time of like mm-hmm. how he wanted the hospital stuff to have a sitcom-y feel yes to it. yeah yeah and watch like that it is quite funny it really is yeah yeah every everyone in, and and Mar- marlo's character is sort of like He's in a horrible, horrible shape, but he's just got the dark sense of humor to him. And then there's the guy who was always yelling about the nurses and complaining to Reginald <laughs> and Reginald with his book and and, and his uh, Elvis pompadour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, trying not to um, forgive me, uh, get an erection when Nurse Mills is oh giving him. Oh my gosh, the, uh, that is such a great sequence. It's d- beautiful, Joanne Wally. Yes. And, uh, She's has to grease him up because of his skin condition, and she says, "I'm sorry." What does she say? Something she, like, "I shall not... have to move your penis." Yes, to lift your penis. <laughs> lift your penis, right? <laughs> and it's great because because when you, if you think about it as a sitcom, you could see that being a sequence where like it would keep cutting to his face, yeah. and every time it cut to his eyes, going, "Huh?" huh? The, the crowd would be in hysterics. hysterics. I don't know if I don't I don't think they were going to put fake laughs on it or anything or have an audience no. there, but uh, but that that would be uh, you could see exactly that because. Um, that's how they did pennies from heaven was on video and then the um then the uh uh the uh the fantasy sequences were all on film it's a beautiful part of an artist's life don't you think do you think michael gambin ever thought one day i wonder if joanne welly will ever lift my penis (laughs) even you know pretend to lift my penis just rub goop into my inner thigh and grease me yeah yes that's Uh, even uh, val kilmer didn't get that he did not no no, he he did did not not. he did not Uh um uh, I, I will just say, um, yeah, I first, I think I first saw this all the way through like 20 years or so ago, and I, uh, I've had the the DVD since they've come out. I've watched it at least once more all the way through. It's one of those series that I say to myself, I'm going to sit down and watch this, and I get like two or three episodes in, and then I kind of lose track. Not that I'm not enjoying it, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where I'll, I'll kind of. Uh, I, I get the same thing with the the latest episode of Twin Peaks. Is it took me three tries before I actually made it all the way through those episodes again yeah. on the Blu-ray. Um, uh, and so, uh, but I love it. I think. Uh, I mean, we're, we're talking. What, what is? What else is on this episode? So this. So the rest of this Avengers Super Train episode, you get an episode of Auto Man, and you get an episode of Search. And the search script is pretty good. The Automan script may not be that great, but the thing, of course, that Dennis Potter's writing yeah. this—the writing in this—is going to be about is about a thousand times better than almost any of the other writing yeah. we generally talk about on this show. Um, and so that kind of each each scene is really kind of a lovely. Uh, 
It is, and you and, you really get that sense of the fevered dream aspect mm -hmm. of it, you know. But the distinct elements are so interesting: the the hospital stuff, and then the noir stuff. Like, mm -hmm. and you you can follow it, but still, it feels like this dreamlike state. Mm -hmm. You know, like you know something's going up in this cat with skinscapes, you know, <laughs> yes. and like the echoes of all the, uh, what's going on in his real life and what he's dreaming, you know, it's called skinscape. She's singing, I've got you under my skin. skin yes. uh, yeah. And Nurse Mill shows up as the Shantou singing blues in the night. That's right. And, um, and Mr. Oh, I forgot. I didn't write his name down. What is it? B uh, Binny, Mark Binny as the, um, oh, yes. possibly, um, possibly, uh, shady mm. maybe guy going to hang out with some some lovely ladies of the lovely night ladies. in the bar 15 pounds for yeah a night of delight yes and, and um the, the the scene where he's creeping around opening all the doors mm -hmm. and the one has the the dead beggar in it and i, and I love that moment too because there's, never see that on let's make a deal no 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 there's a you, you I, I like where he's He's going down. He's opening all these doors, and then it looks. He, t t I mean, he's like he's. It's it's an underground um, basement kind of uh, bar club thing. But I do like how it sort of just ends with like a staircase and a huge like bolted door in front of it. Like I imagine that's just up the back of the building. But but there's something kind of sinister about the mm -hmm. fact that if you try to go out the back, you can't because it ends like this. And and how did the beggar get? In did they? Uh, I don't know. Well, is we this a riddle? Out, we will find out. We might not find out. Because um, I, I, the, the great thing about this early episode. Now, again, we've never. I've never done a mini series mm -hmm. on here, so I have no idea how this is going to go. So we're just kind of saying whatever we saw because yeah. fifty. Like I, I said to you right before we started recording, about fifty percent of what we see, we don't know what it means, and, or or it has. We don't know what it means, or it hasn't reached a conclusion right. of any kind. Yeah, I feel like you can. You can follow it, mm -hmm. but we there is yes, you're right. We don't really know what it means in the larger context of yeah. this mystery he's writing while mm -hmm. he's fevered. Yes, um, or what's using yeah. yeah, keep keeping it keeps himself sane by not letting him, them put him on tranquilizers, and he's constantly he's writing a book or he's rewriting a book mm. in his head. Oh yeah, true. Uh, I hadn't and, thought about that. And um. Uh, with and two, I will say some of my favorite moments in this are moments where you you learn much later what's going on, and that's the boy up the tree in the forest of Dean, oh, yeah. uh, who gets the closing moment, and the shot of the subway in the underground, and the woman's um, voice screaming Philip over and over mm. again, uh, which is going to make is going to make sense for a while, um, but it all it all comes together very yeah. nicely, and it's it's it is one of those things too. The first time through. It's it's excellent, but when you watch it the second time, and you could spot the little setups for for yeah. what's coming in and, and things. Have you that... ever had a, a really high fever? I probably have, not for a very long time, but I think when I was a child, at least on one or two occasions, I had like one of those really high fevers where you're like, oh, and just like the world is kind of bouncy and everything. Actually, the world kind of looked like for for everyone who listened to the last episodes. Uh, the character in On the Air, I think it was Blinky, the guy who had the Bozeman's complex or simplex, who saw like 50% more than we see. And every time they showed some from his point of view, everything was bouncing up and down and spinning and <laughs> flipping. And there were little dogs leaping all over mm -hmm. the place. That's sort of what I remember, like getting a high fever. Um, just kind of like... Ah. Yeah, yeah. How about you? I have. And it's uh, those dreams are very vivid. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
it I, I thought this was super evocative of that. I mean, his dreams were a lot more coherent. Because <laughs> he has a, he had a great writer writing his dreams. <laughs> yes, Mine yes. are just like you know, <laughs> either terrifying or uh, housekeeping dreams. I call you had one of these you were telling me about where like all these people from your past come to see you. It's like an open house mm-hmm. in yes, your dreams. Yes, your your mind is just kind of working out these things. I I thought he did a really nice job too with the medical. Um, yeah like how they the medical establishment how they deal with his despair you know he has some very understandable despair because his skin is you know uh-huh. even tears cause him pain laughing smiling you know his just existing is painful for him mm-hmm. and uh it's very difficult for them to hear or to even suggest he see a psychiatrist is yes the understanding is he will feel shame around that and he'll be angry about that and i thought that was really um I thought that was really right on, especially for men. Um, and this was 1980, well, in the well, 80s. Made, yeah, made in 85 mm-hmm. and aired in 86. So, which doesn't feel that long ago to me, but when I think about it, it's... When you uh, look at it, so, yes, yeah. 30, no. 35 years. 35 years, But, yeah, so I thought they did a great job with I, that. I, 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 the thing I like with the doctors in this is you have to imagine, especially in this ward, which is just pretty much guys who are probably never going to get out of the ward, mostly. It's got to be a little rough for a doctor to go from person to person. How are you today? Near death. Yeah. Okay, it's got to be. It's got to be a point where it's like it's kind of like the Jeopardy category potpourri of yes. uh, of words because they have heart conditions, skin conditions. The guy with the uh, worst Parkinson's or whatever yeah, in the world. Right. The, the one guy um, who looks like a kind of a deranged Buster Keaton. Yeah, almost. or he reminds uh, me of uh, William Hartnell. Oh yes, he's a mix of William Hartnell and some Buster Keaton. Yeah, I think with the way he mounts uh, Marlowe at one point, what he thinks Marlowe is his wife. Mounting Marlowe. Mar- Do you remember that heartwarming that was, film that about a, a dog? Was that, that, was, that what it was? That was it. Was mounting the Marlo. luckiest dog in the world. <laughs> mounting Marlowe. Um, uh, yeah, I and and I like too that you get sort of you get you get the. Um, the one slightly self-righteous doctor, and then you get the other doctor who's trying to help Marlowe, but um, uh, he's just... He, it does have one of, the, one of the lines that always makes me laugh so much, which is, Mr. Marlowe, I'd like to recommend someone in the hospital, and he's very he's very um, sympathetic, he's very talented, he's very good, and Marlowe's like, what? He works here? <laughs> oh, mate, he's going to get struck off, which, which I really like. Um and uh, and then there's the other sort of like the main doctor guy, mm-hmm. the older guy with the glasses, who um, who they probably don't. I would imagine they, he's of that that realm where they don't call him doctor anymore. I think they call him Mister. And um, oh. isn't that from isn't that from Abfab where the guy comes in and says, "Oh, we'll just chop off a little," you know, when they're in the hospital. Yeah. And the guy walks through with the clipboard and he says the toenail. Uh, get the toenail. Uh, she's got the whatever in her toenail, and then Eddie, and then Patsy's in the next thing to do a little plat. We'll just pick her up by the hair and shake her around <laughs> yeah. a bit, you know. And then when she leaves, uh, and Eddie says something like, "Mister, why do they keep calling him Mister? I want a doctor. I want a proper doctor in here now." But I think they call the higher up you go, you go from being doctor to Mister. When oh, you're called I Mr. never knew that. When you're called Mr., that means, I, th- I think that means you're I higher up. never knew that. And th- I've seen that episode about a hundred times. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie says that because the, when the guy comes in, he's very much meant to be the top yeah. doctor in there. And they call him Mr. and Eddie's oh, just I cheesed no off. Idea. But I would not I don't think we learn this guy's name, the head guy's mm-hmm. name. He just comes in and he stands with three other guys. He has and amazing glasses. He has amazing glasses. And there's one guy who clearly looks like he must be 
uh, a resident, or I don't know mm-hmm. what they're called, because he's trying to. He's got his files upside down, yeah. and he forgets to mention vomiting has occurred. Mm-hmm. And um, I do like that when he reads through all the symptoms that Marlowe has had, and he stops, and the one doctor goes, "And vomiting." <laughs> and then Marlowe mentions vomit later on when yeah, he says, "The only, the right. only true thing that comes out of every human mouth, vomit." <laughs> vomit. <laughs> He gets a little rough. He, he gets a little rough. He is a tough patient. I'll yes, give him that. Yeah. He is a tough patient. Oh, and Imelda Staunton's in it. She's so great. Yes, yeah. yeah. And and when and when you see um when you see uh, Marlo completely covered except for his little like Jesus yeah. jock strap oh, on, it's is just oh, it's it's so. And it's, Dennis Potter had this condition. Yes, he did. He did. You could see on the DVDs. We can watch it. Uh, there's an interview with him near mm. the end of his life, and he's smoking a cigarette, and his hand is just is like just that. like. And that's the same thing. Um. Not, not obviously not as bad, but like uh, John Carradine had that. He had the arthritis where if you watch yeah. John Carradine movies from the mid-80s, they rarely ever show his hands mm-hmm. because his hands are just fists. And he I think my them. Uncle Joe had something the like bad. this because he was, uh, he was horribly, uh, uh, his hands were, yeah, very uh, arthritic and he was in a wheelchair. So it was, it was really, really awful. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you you see, and it's almost like, um, at for, for a brief moment, I, th- I think possibly when I first watched it, I didn't know what was going on. I thought maybe it was something made up. Because it's so, I mean, it's like, I, I'm not going to describe it right, but if you if you can imagine, it's like, imagine the worst sunburn you've ever got, but all over your body, and it's there constantly, and it's almost... It's and always it, peeling. And it's always peeling, and it's always like, it's working against the rest of yeah. your body. Whereas, so that's a good way to describe it. That's... At least the look of it. That's mm-hmm. what it looks like is your skin is and it hurts. constantly yeah. and it's painful. You know, like if you get if you get like sunburn on your butt or something like that, it's yeah. tough to sit down. Imagine that on your whole body. Yeah. And now you're trying to get put your pants on. It's an inflammatory disease. So my friend who's kind of a sciencey guy, Don, who wrote yeah. actually who speaking of penises, he wrote a book about oh, his yes, penis no, yeah, yeah. Bent but not broken. Good book. Good um book. great book. And so he was telling me that um I didn't know this, that so a lot of immune i don't know the right word for it let's say markers are on the x chromosome so that's why women are more um susceptible to autoimmune disease uh and why uh but also why in general women are better at fighting off immune disorders and why in men they tend to have a a worse progression so that uh Hmm. that was secondhand sciencey facts hey enjoy Thank you, thank you, sweet. Uh, and and we know we do know he says at this point that this is the worst, or he says near yes. the end he says he says like this is as worse as it gets, and then like almost. Yes. So he's like right at the point where it gets absolutely worse, and his temperature is out of control, mm-hmm. and he's hallucinating, and his whole body yeah. is covered, and his he can't body move. can't regulate his temperature. Yes, and, and it doesn't look like fun. I'll tell no, you that it, much. it looks it looks really rough. Uh, yeah. He he does keep his sense of humor, like we said, but it's not a um, it's not a happy sense of humor. It's um. No. It's a, it's a, it's it's dark as it should be. I would think. I mean, I mean seems like a realistic expectation yes, of yes, what that, his life is going that, to be like. That's the thing. Like when his doctor comes to talk to him, he's like, "Well, you do you have the right attitude towards your sickness?" And he said, "Do you have do you? the right attitude toward my sickness?" Uh, um, so what else is in there? There's, there's so much uh, in this. Let's talk about Allie. Oh, Allie. Great so character. Allie is his um, the man in the bed next to him. Mm-hmm. He's uh, what a great character, uh, and this is a spoiler alert if you want to. Uh, yeah, this is this will be a spoiler. Yeah, this is this is really where we go spoiler. So they have the a end. great repartee. So Ali is a, a cardiac patient, mm-hmm. 
who loves sweets, sweeties, <laughs> and his tea, no cake. Um, <laughs> and he's got a great sense of humor. He likes to sort of make fun of the nurses in a way yes. that they don't understand that he's making fun of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Marlo has him light a cigarette for him, and they have lots of great talks. Um, and then almost at the end of this episode we lose him he has an episode yes cardiac yeah and it's so heartbreaking it's so heartbreaking because he's the hopeful one who thinks yes he's got his sweeties and he's just so and he's always talking to marlo about one day we'll get out of here yes yes oh you shut up you know tell him to be quiet and put he puts his headphones on that's right too dark and um yeah he keeps this nice optimistic streak about him but then at Toward the very end, he does say, "I don't think we will ever get out of here." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then Marlo is the one who um, I, I I like that moment because yeah. I, I like that moment because when when they're talking together, it's it's fun when they're talking together, and that would have been if this were like a sitcom, that would they would have been a great great team. Yeah. Um, but I I like the the fact that Marlo's like, "We're not going to get out of here," and he, no, we are. You shut up. Mm-hmm. And then the moment when Ali says. We're never going to get out of here. Yeah. Marlo immediately goes like, "No, no, we, we are. are. We right. are." Almost like you know, like like Marlo. The way he gets himself through is by thinking the way he thinks, and almost like what he just said to Allie there was he went a little too far. Yeah. If if Allie I thought is, that was a beautiful moment, a great piece of writing because yeah. it shows that Marlo isn't completely oblivious to the yes. people around him, and that he craves a certain homeostasis. I guess you could say he. Like he needs to be who he is, and Ollie yes. needs to be who he is. But when Ollie starts to be influenced by his uh, pessimism, too much. <laughs> he he realizes he's, uh, you know, he affects other people, and mm-hmm. that he cares about this person in particular. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's yeah, that's one one of their their things is uh, we're not getting out of here. We are, and then mm. it's, it it is a lovely moment because you it can is. see Marlo almost not not backtrack, but almost be like, oh crap, I, I you know, it's like if you if you're having fun. You know, and you have someone you you work with or you know who who you chat with, and some of the chat is like picking on each other, something like yeah. that. And you have a moment where you go a little too far, mm-hmm. and you don't mean to, you just accidentally did. So you have to say, "Whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, we're just playing. It's just we're just." It, I feel you know. a little bit too like there was a a soupçon. Do you like that mm, nice, word? Nice. Yeah, no, just a tiny bit of his Ali's optimism that Marlo depended upon in a way. Yes, like that kept him in balance, mm-hmm. uh, and that. So yeah, that there is a bit of Ollie's optimism that Marlo needed to keep him in balance. It's kind of like if you have a, a friend who has a very like a strong conviction of faith, like you don't want to talk them out of it. <laughs> yes, yeah. You see how it holds them in the world and how it gets them through, and you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to systematically destroy yeah, yeah. their faith um, in whatever. You know, but but, it, but but it's also going to be tough to buy that the guy whose whole body is covered with peeling skin and who's beat red um, is going to be a laugh a minute jokester. That's right. Yeah, he's not going to be. He's not going to be. Right. You know, Bozo the Clown or Red Skeleton or something like that. Yeah. He's going. He's going to have some. Uh, he's going to have some dark moments because he is his whether he likes it or not because his yeah. his, his body is his temperature is out of control. Yes, but it's a, it's a it's a beautiful relationship those mm-hmm. two men and. It's so sad when oh, Ali, God. it's so oh. quick. He just has a, and he drops his sweets on the ground mm-hmm. when he has his uh, cardiac arrest. And you see how it affects Marlo. And uh, it's it's really, it's really heartbreaking. And I, I, I like too that, that, that just the moment where uh, Marlo, it's like he has like three like Ali, Ali, Ali. And then the camera sort of, 
um, looking at the back of, of, of Marlo's head and he just turns right up into the camera and starts screaming, nurse, nurse, yeah. and they all and they all come running. And it's a pretty harrowing scene when they try to yeah. bring him back to life. I mean, it's you've seen it in medical stuff before, mm. but um, uh, it's it's at, at this moment not just not just for Marlo, who is at his is is entering the darkest time with his mm-hmm. his disease, but also for Ali, you really you, you get the feeling that yeah, uh, this is when Ali leaves yeah. us. But at the same time, you're sitting there going, "Come on, yeah, come on." And oh. it shows you that Marlo can still be affected by people; that he's not completely shut off to yes. other people. And um... and I mean, I uh, I. I, I was just I was just breaking down when a nurse Mills uh, gives him the piece of candy. Yes. And he just starts crying and crying. It's, it's a piece of Ollie's candy yes, that he yes. dropped while he was having the arrest. And yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and just the like sort of the sensual pleasure of the candy mm-hmm. and it reminding him of Ali and it's just yeah it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and you know because you know he says you know like talking and laughing and stuff like that makes his jaw hurt. So yeah. I would imagine sucking on the candy would make his. And he's also said that crying makes his face That's hurt. Right. So he's Everything he's hurts. sucking on the candy <laughs> that hurts. He's crying that hurts, but it hurts more that he's lost his friend. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and so so when you see him in there, it's, it's it's like really the other guys. We'll talk briefly about the other guys mm-hmm. and the head nurse. Yeah. And then we will. I just want to say some briefly about the production of this, okay. and then we will wrap. We this should up. talk a little bit too about the the murder mystery that's happening in his. Uh, oh sure, yeah. Please, do you want to? Do you want to? Well, uh, I don't know what I want to say now. <laughs> oh okay. No, um, but uh... <laughs> yeah, you get you get um you get this uh, the gentleman Mark Binney who and this is this is after World War Two. And he gets a um, he uh, he he's in some collusion with a beggar in the street who's playing uh, harmonica. That's right. And um, and gets the word skinscapes, and he goes to this he club. Goes to this club down downstairs. A woman and they, in a a, a a racy sailor suit. Yes, uh, spends the whole time talking to him. Call it sweet toots, sugar, to, sugar, sugar, and toots, 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 toots. And, and uh, Michael Gammon <laughs> repeats that in toots. the present. You know, nineteen. 19- <laughs> Whenever it is, eighty six, eighty five, toots, toots, and there's and so, so what's going what's going on there? It's it's all very noiry and and, and yeah. shady looking, and she's trying to sort of seal the deal where she'll make fifteen pounds to you know fiddle around with his doodle, <laughs> and they have a friend named Sonia who's Russian, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, you know, and he Nurse Mills. He speaks some Russian. Yeah, yeah, he speaks a little Russian. Mm-hmm. And Nurse Mills shows up, like I said, singing blues in the night, and then he finds the body of the beggar. Yeah, and I the guess whole... we have talked about it. Sorry. We have, we have yeah. talked about it. That so the so the beggar is murdered. Why is he murdered? Who was the beggar? And then mm-hmm. the whole time there are these two shady guys, always standing in the background, who I keep thinking are looking towards him, but aren't quite. And so there's something going on there. But the, the shady the, twins. Yes, the the episode ends with him. Shady pines, ma. <laughs> The episode ends with um, uh, him taking uh, uh, Mr. Binney there taking, I forget uh, Amanda mm-hmm. um, and, and Sonia and Sonia back to their homes, and mm-hmm. that's the last we see of them. Although we do see a body in the river we do. over and over again, and that's that's another that's another one of those things where um, we see a naked body of a naked woman being pulled up by the cops into with a, one of those hooks. Pulled mm-hmm. up into a, and dropped down into a boat and flipped over several times. And the last time the body's flipped over, it's Sonia's face. Yeah. And we don't know how that happened. Aww. And we get the great image of it. It's kind of right under a bridge, and Marlowe is standing dressed as, well, kind of Philip Marlowe, mm-hmm. standing looking down at um, the body. And then at the end, there's the great moment where everyone in the ward is standing on the bridge yeah, looking that's... down at the body. And it's very 
strange. <laughs> it's very mm-hmm. eerie. It's wonderful. Um, and the great thing is that because it's Dennis Potter, um, it will all make some sort of sense. Yeah. This, it, it, it isn't like, like you know, we've, we've I had shows on here before where we've had little things here and there that never get explained or get explained poorly or, or whatever. This, this is all going to get mm-hmm. explained well. Um, better, good, good, well, good. Well, explained well. well. So I, w- I just want to, let's go through the, let's talk quick, quickly about the head nurse. She's not very sympathetic. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but she, yes, they have to, uh, yeah, she's not very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. And she has, the, she treats them all basically like children. Yes. Um, and sometimes they act like children. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe at this point in your life, uh, you get a break. Yeah. <laughs> And then there's, uh, well, Ali, mm-hmm. there's uh, Marlo, mm-hmm. there's, there's the shaky gentleman shaky who we gentleman. mentioned. There's Reginald, the Re- pompadour. Yes, Reginald is always reading. And then the guy, Mr., I forget the, the guy who's sitting next to him. Hall, Mr. Mr. Hall. Mr. Hall, yes. Mr. Who's always complaining about getting the tea last when they serve the tea, that she should be more equitable, the nurse, with yes. her card, and she should turn right half the time. But then when the nurse actually comes to give him tea, he, he backs down. Yes. He's completely <laughs> demure. And, yes. oh, we're so grateful to have the tea whenever oh, you can cakey. bring it. Oh, oh cakey. cakey. Yeah. And, and Reginald's <laughs> laughing at him. And Reginald said, he thinks you should turn right. And, and Mr. <laughs> oh. Hall said, you know, be quiet. <laughs> we're happy to have the... I love that she's, he says to the nurse... Um, uh, we're always happy to have you in this bed, no matter which way you turn. <laughs> <laughs> and she gives him a look somewhere there, which is a good look. Um, uh, so, so yeah, there's those guys, and the the other ones aren't really named. There's a there's a gentleman who has bandages on his hand. It looks yeah. like he has a bit of what like Marlo has, mm-hmm. but less so. Um, and uh, there's a guy with like a constant like um, breathing apparatus yeah. over here. There's a gentleman without many teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's a hilarious bunch. Yeah. It, it's funny if it were uh, a sick sitcom type thing, it would probably be more like uh, I'm going to say there's a British sitcom only when I laugh, which is set sort of in the same sort of thing. And it's a sitcom. It's a mm-hmm. bunch of guys who may be here forever, and they get in comedy shenanigans. So you can see exactly what where, else are you going to do? I, I think this is exactly sort of where he's coming from. Yeah. He's like, do it like only when I laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will. Um, so we'll. I think that's. It's it's a mini series, so so we're we'll have our final thoughts at the end. These yeah. are the thoughts where we are right now. There's something going on, and we don't a hundred percent know yeah. what. We just know Mr. Marlowe isn't doing great, and all his books are out of print. He That's used right. to write, but all his books all are his out of print. Books are out of print. Everyone print. seems interested in reading his books, but he just keeps putting them down. But I imagine one is called The Singing Detective. I imagine so. So I will just tell this quick thing, and then we will wrap this one up. Um, in that I know that uh, the show was made in 1985, and the series. And yeah, like you said, it was originally supposed to be a mix of the video, video, film. At the last minute, because they wanted to, this was going to be one of their prestigious things for that year. The BBC shot it all on 16 millimeter. And I do know that, uh, and this is going to, slightly off topic, in, in the mid eight, first half of the 80s, uh, Doctor Who was made at the end, seasons were made at the end of the year and shown at the beginning of the year. So accounting wise, uh, season 22 was made at the end of 84, be- aired at the end of 80, beginning of 85. And when the accounting, BBC accounting stuff was released for 85, Doctor Who wasn't on it. And so that began what we uh, was the cancellation crisis. We all, it, 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 by the time it got to us in the U.S., it was already over mm-hmm. uh, because there was no internet. Um, but uh, it was like, Doctor Who's going to be canceled. They're not making Doctor Who in 1985. Oh, my God. They were making Doctor Who, but they were changing the schedule. The Doctor Who was on the books for 86. They were going to shoot it 
first half of the year air in the second half because in 1985 the BBC always having some money trouble decided to instead of making Doctor Who they built the main town square for EastEnders which they still used it which is just like a giant it's not a cul-de-sac but it's just this giant street basically that they use for the show and they shot the singing detective and because they shot it on 16 millimeter, which was very is is much more expensive than shooting it on cheap video and some 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Those were like, those were the two big things that sort of kicked Doctor Who off the um, the schedule for I that see. year. And I mean, EastEnders was one of their is still one yeah. of their big big shows. And they, as far as I know, they still use the same set they built back then. And seeing the detective was one of the most mm-hmm. prestigious things I think they've done. So, but that's I I, I didn't know that until I was reading something about the cancellation crisis. Well, they said no, it wasn't. Oh, interesting. Well, yeah. if there is a bad accounting story, I have not heard it. Yes, aren't they all great? Aren't all the accounting stories fantastic? <laughs> um, uh, Is that going to be your next podcast? <laughs> maybe. Accounting Fantastic stories. accounting stories, minute by minute. Um, Fevered accounting stories. <laughs> so that is episode one of the Singing Detective skin. And uh, we will be back next time to discuss episode two. We'll, we'll learn a little bit more about what's going on, develop some of the stories, and probably get some more stuff that makes absolutely no sense. And if you're very good, more accounting stories. Yay! Thank you again for joining me, sweets. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and, and um, next up, listen to this. Episode 3, Short Circuit. Directed by Alan Reisner, writer Leslie Stevens on this one. Original air date was September 22nd, 1972. This is the first one with Doug McClure as um, Grover. I think it's like H.R. Grover or C.R. Grover. Sorry, C.R. Grover. He's an emergency, uh, he's the backup probe. And um, the, the premise behind this one is that there is an inventor, genius inventor, who's a little cuckoo caca and has something against Probe, who invents this machine that can basically like short-circuit and drive the electrics in anything crazy. And he's basically going to try to blow up Probe control. And Grover has to hit the field and um, maybe meet a lovely lady and try to find this guy and stop him from blowing up Probe, which shouldn't happen. So they're nice people, but that's we talk a lot about it here. So uh, Mitchell and myself, so I won't go too overboard there. But that's basically what it is. It's trying to stop a genius madman from blowing up probe control. And let me give you a little blast of music. And Mitchell and myself are on the other side. Short circuit episode three of Search introducing us to Grover, Mister Grover. The uh, I forget his first name now. I don't think I wrote down his first name. Um, um, I only remember the initials CR. I don't. CR they, Grover. Yes. Yes. Did I, they even say what it stands for? Oh, I don't think so. Oh gosh, we will just call him Grover or Mister yeah. Mister McClure or Doug McClure or Trampus. But if he's we wanna, not. 
He's yeah. not covered with blue fur, though, so let's yes. not mistake him yes, for the other that's not. He's, he's probably cuddly and lovable, but this is not that Grover. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, that was Mitchell Hadley, everyone, talking to us, joining us for another round of search. How are you, Mitchell? I'm well. How are you? Doing good. I'm, good. I'm saying now that, so, so now we're going to get to the end of the initial trifecta and the, the way the show will work across the – it's 20, 23 episodes – is and after Mitchell and I discussed Bourbon Street Beat, which is thirty nine episodes, this is like a little vacation. Oh, this really? Is like a, this is like a breeze. Um, uh, um, but so so yeah, it's it's not it's not an umbrella show, but it does have it is going to alternate between the three main characters now. So we got Lockwood, we got Bianco, and in this one we meet Grover. Grover is very specifically pitched, whereas Lockwood seems like a full time. Um, you know, like he, like he, he was born a secret agent. He went to secret agent prep school. He went to secret agent college. Um, Bianca was a cop, and then he got sort of drafted into this, it's kind of like like Remo Williams, you know, um, you know Fred Ward, mm-hmm. you know that I love that film. Um, but but in that one, he's a cop, and they need this agent to help them out, the executioner, Remo Williams, and they they have they bring this cop, but that's sort of Bianco esque. Uh, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore, but you know, I guess I guess they could have based it sort of around the executioner because the executioner had been around for quite some time. Had it in '72, right? Had or had it not started yet? I don't know. I should not talk about things I know nothing about. So, um, how are you, Mitchell? By the way, <laughs> I'm I'm swell. How are you? Have you had, just, that, have you had some caffeine here lately? Uh, or? I uh, no, that that just that just occurred to me as I was talking. I'd like to look up to see one like because the executioner is like that. It was like a cop who is brought in to be a secret agent, and I but I don't remember when those books began. I can so, I can vamp for a couple of minutes if you want to Google it. Uh, well, let me let me um, <laughs> you, you know what we'll, we'll 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 come back to that the next time we talk about Bianca. How about okay, that? that? The that next works. Bianca. Episode. Yes. Um, and the great thing about Grover is Grover is presented as kind of um, well we we can talk about his character, but he's presented kind of as more as like a beach bum, who's got like a cool sports car, who um. You know, maybe he was just hanging around surfing, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll be a secret agent sometimes. Why not?" You know, I got my lady. My, I got my old lady. Secret agent. You know, we go yeah. surf. Yeah, why not? I'll do some secret agent, and why not? That's kind of the way he he's presented here. Um, but but I, I uh, enough of my yakking, Mitchell. What did you think of? What did you think of? And again, as we did last time. Um, uh, if you want to talk about Grover, the Grover character, or if you want to talk about the plot line, whatever you want to talk about, please. Okay. Well, speaking of Bourbon Street Beat, Grover kind of fills the same role in this that Canny does in Bourbon Street Beat, the the Van Williams character. He's the the young member of the squad. I am not sure that he. I think. As a backup probe, I don't know. Does that mean he's not a fully accredited probe? Does it mean he's a probe in training? Uh, yeah, does they have sure. training wheels? I'm not sure, but <laughs> but uh, he he clearly is a man that uh, is is prepared to theoretically prepared to step in and um, help out another probe or take over from another probe and the reason i say theoretically is because as we are introduced to grover it's quite clear that he has not been reading and listening to all the yes. briefing yes yes materials. um when he tried to um fake out uh cam by saying 
uh, well, you know, there were a couple of things I might have missed. And and Burgess Meredith tells him, we're talking about the central part of the plot. It's, <laughs> yes, it's yes. clear that he hasn't, he probably hasn't been listening to any of them. Yeah. But with that, with that said, he uh, has a lot of youthful energy. He spends a lot of time in this episode running, and running very quickly from place to place. And he takes what he's doing seriously enough that uh, he is determined to to give it his all. And when he has to late late in the in the episode when they actually elevate him to lead probe in this case because the uh, the probe that uh, was supposed to be involved in this is no longer on the scene, as we say. Uh, he does he does quite well at that, and he uh, proves to provide a perfect example of something I've talked about in the uh, three episodes we've uh, discussed so far, this uh, synergy between the agent in the field and the probe mm-hmm. technicians in back back there where he really has to rely on them. They're looking at a map of the building. He happens to yes. be in their building. And and as you've mentioned in the in the plot, uh it's brought him right back to probe back headquarters yeah, and they're yeah. talking him talking him through the uh, uh, intestines of the building, and he can't see because it's dark, and so he's completely dependent on them to point him in the right direction, and they, in turn, are completely dependent on him to be able to carry out the mission and to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. So there's this, this mutual trust that they have going that makes them an exceptional team. Yes, and he he does does something I I, I really I really uh, love in this, which which I think um, Lockwood does in the um, in the Probe TV movie once, um, but he um, uh, when when Grover does it, it's a little more precarious. Where on, on two occasions he takes off his like sensor camera thing and like hangs yeah, it. Yeah hangs it in a spot and says, I'm just going to, here's where I am. And he kind of points it at a spot, you know, and he kind of does his business. I don't mean that to sound weird, but he does whatever he has to do in front of the the camera so they can see what he's doing. And he kind of like trusts that he can leave that there and he can do that. And I I, I kind of like that because that, because like when, when Lockwood does that in the probe thing, it's like, Lockwood, what are you doing? What's going on? What's it? Whereas when Grover does that twice in the course of like 15 minutes of the episode, it's like, okay, that's what he's doing. You know, and at like during the closing, when they're trying to find where the crazy professor with the, um, what the heck was it called? The mega trans package? What was that the name of? That's the name of the bomb, right? It's like, yeah, something like that. Yes. Yes. It, they keep, they keep saying it. And I, I kind of thought it was like, it sounded like a, 
like a weird like breakfast cereal that never worked or something. It was it was just this weird like it's a Mega Trans package. It's the what? I mean, I got I got sent in three box tops and I get the Mega Trans package from the from the <laughs> I don't know from I don't know from uh, Quicks or something. I don't I don't I don't know. You know, it's it's just these. It was a weird name for something. I thought she's called the bomb or something like that. I don't know, but but I I do like that. Yeah, he does have a youthful exuberance. He um he um. He's got a lot of verve, and he does feel like, um, I, I don't quite know how to describe it, but he's got a kind of a McClory-ness to him yep. that I like. I, I, I think it's, it's, anybody who's familiar with Doug McClure as an actor, I think, will recognize exactly what you mean by that. Yes, and he's he's just kind of he's he's very sort of um, he's he's very spur of the moment. He's very good at improving around stuff. He's very good at doing this, that, and the other. You know, adjusting and everything. And not that the other two guys aren't, but there is something about him that is. Um, he's very earnest. Yeah, he is very earnest. Yes, and there is something too where, um, like in the in the previous episodes, the. The guys, the the agents are are working alongside ladies, and working alongside ladies that they like to kiss. Hey, we all got ladies we like to kiss. Come on, that's the way the world works. That's why nice <laughs> things happen. Um, but but the interesting thing here is like like <clears throat> Grover sort of has a lady he likes to kiss, but she's kind of slightly on the periphery because of the time factor in this episode. Um, you know, like in the previous episode, yeah, the currency of the world is going to fall apart, but we'll be okay if we all take a nap. You know, we'll be okay if we have a night off. You know, in the previous episode, when when um, Lockwood's trying to find out about the guy who disappeared, and there's the poker game and everything like that. You know, we got to get this stuff wrapped up, but it's not. We're not all going to blow up in ten hours. And there's something about this where they give the 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 secondary probe or the the backup probe this like you've got less than ten hours to do this thing or else we're all dead. Now you can't ask yourself, and I hate to say it, but you can't ask yourself, you know, hey gang, if you know you're all gonna blow up in ten hours, why not reconvene somewhere else? But they don't do that because they're all heroes. They're all probe control heroes, and because it wouldn't be as much fun, too. That's right, and and um, actually too, there is a uh, a scene later on when they have been told to power down and evacuate, and uh, Grover goes into a very brief but thorough explanation of why that won't work because oh, the yes, backups right. yes. will kick in, and then the backups will kick in, and there's yes. no way that you can get it shut down in time and it's um it's right it's a very interesting scene because it's really the first glimpse we've had of one of the field agents telling them something they don't know technically yes he he clearly knows how this works he was at one of those meetings Mm -hmm. he definitely was at one of those meetings he missed it's 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 you know it's one of those things like if you ever like um you know, you you know, you you had took a class in college, or maybe you you know, like like when I was in Boy Scouts, we used to do summer camp. You know, and um, when when I wasn't canoeing, which was my favorite thing to do at summer camp, uh, you know, they would have like classes for merit badges. You know, and it would be one of those things where like Dan, you're gonna 
uh, get the uh, uh, for the next week at 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 nine p nine a at nine p.m. nine a.m. Every morning, you're going to go to the hour-long mammals merit badge class. I think I went to one of those classes, and I think I probably learned one very interesting fact about mammals that I bet came in very handy at one point. But I missed all the others. And I feel like that's something where it's like this, where he's like, oh, man, I've missed the last two weeks of probe meetings. Let me listen to this one. We're going to discuss the way the power sources work in the probe building. Sure. And he writes it all down, and that's the only thing he got in his head you know but but he he knows it and yeah you're right that that is a great moment because i think i think one of the well let let, i'll ask you before i ask me no that's not right um ask you ask me no um what did you what did you like overall like i think i mean here's here's the thing like i'm i'm a big dumb chlor fan i have been for ages um as i've said i think before the virginian is my favorite american western and obviously he's Trampus on that. And at this point, he's only, he's only not been Trampus for a year. He was on that show for nine years. And at this point, he's that's probably why he's the backup agent. I, I would I would bet they probably well he's actually in a bunch of the episodes here. I was I was going to say it isn't like he's shortchanged in the show, but um, uh, but yeah, I know him as Trampus, and I just whenever whenever I see Doug, McCl- I mean he's obviously he's the star of Satan's Triangle, which is one of my favorite TV movies. Um, and he's whatever you see him, he's like, oh, I like Doug McClure. Maybe Cannonball Run Two isn't his best role, but can you say that anyone's <laughs> role in Cannonball Run Two is anyone's best role? Although Dom DeLuise is very funny in it. But I don't think uh, that's going to be at the top of anybody's resume. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so, but I, I, I guess I would just ask. So, so, so I think I think we both like the Grover character. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what did you think of the, of the, I mean, uh, the story, the short circuit, the, the mega trans, I was going to say Tron package, Megatron. Tron is a completely different thing. Folks, mega trans package. What did you think of all that? Well, it's, it's a good story. You've got, um, your proto mad scientist who is a terrific, uh, character actor, and uh, you would know him instantly from some of his appearances in movies and TV shows from the 50s and 60s. So he gives a gravitas and a certain dignity to this character, even though we don't really get to see enough of him. We learn about him mostly from his daughter, who, who is, is played by Marianne Mobley, which a great deal of care in selecting who the uh, female lead is in each episode, yes. uh, because she's she's very charming. Even uh, though it, I found it interesting in the credits, her name is not Mary Ann Mobley; it's Marianne Mobley. <laughs> and uh, that's just one of those things that you uh, uh, notice when you read the credits. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But I digress. The uh, the 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 point is that um, he's not he's not an evil mad scientist by nature. He's a brilliant scientist who, in fact, designed a lot of what Probe uses, which is what makes him yes. so dangerous. And he is being manipulated by an evil henchman. And frankly. Uh, there is no other kind of henchman but an evil. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and and he's been he's been manipulated. He isn't uh, 
prob- he probably needs some care, and that's one of the things that Grover tells him when they do yes. have their confrontation. Yeah. We'll get you help. But uh, he makes a rash promise, I think, even though it doesn't come back to bite us. He makes a very rash promise to uh, to uh, Marianne Mobley's character that uh, I will, I promise, I guarantee your father will not get hurt. And in in other circumstances, you don't want to promise anything that you can't deliver. Uh, he obviously felt he needed to make the promise in order to get her cooperation and get the information that he's going to need. But that's the kind of thing that can come back to bite you. He's he's, yes. he's able to subdue uh, the the doctor uh, in, in when they're fighting to get a hold of the the bomb. He's able to subdue him, and, and but the, it's it's clear that in other situations he might have had to shoot or even kill him in order to be able to save the organization. And I like to chalk that up to that youthful exuberance that yes. that we're we're seeing part of the character development as to why he is uh, still just a backup probe at this point because that's a very yes. dangerous promise to have to make on the other hand uh, it paid off uh yes <laughs> but that uh, so so I, I again it was a very interesting story it uh, it was heavy on technology but not so much so that it overwhelmed the story and it never mm-hmm. overwhelmed the human element of it i was um hoping that we might see a, a dramatic resolution with the evil henchman and we didn't we only heard about it yes that that was that was yeah that was kind of like oh i would like to see him gotten punched in the mouth real good exactly and and frankly he owed him one yes because yeah. he had uh grover had gotten smacked in the back of the head early in the story and i would have liked to see him uh cash in that iou but <laughs> um uh, again, no Angel Tompkins, uh, yes, which is yes. unfortunate. But as is usually the case, Burgess Meredith is in terrific form. Yes, and he he displays this kind of macabre humor about what's going to happen. There's one point where he where um, uh, Grover tells him he he has a theory, and and um, Cameron is giving him the authority to act on that. Okay, you're you are now in charge of this. And then he adds, if you call us back and we don't answer, <laughs> you'll know that it was the wrong choice or something something <laughs> yes, like yes, that. He, yes. He alludes to that several times that uh, yes. if we don't pick up, you'll know why. Yeah. Yeah. That's I I like to there there are moments in here like where like um you know, you like Cameron will yell at Lockwood and Bianco um, but but he and he, he kind of you know he'll he'll kind of get a little testy with with Grover but but there's sort of the feeling that almost like okay this guy's still a trainee mm-hmm. you don't yell you don't yell at the trainee even though he's you know there to try to save their lives um, in the end but but there there is sort of a fun feeling that he kind of Burgess Meredith kind of adjusts his performance slightly. Um, because of who the employee he's working with, mm-hmm. you know, Lockwood's been there for forever, 
you know, and he knows Lockwood's going to do his thing and whatever. And Bianco is, you know, was a cop, and so he knows he's going to do that. And, and Grover is still kind of learning, and he knows Grover isn't as diligent as he should be, possibly. And uh, so he kind of treats him like that. But 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 when the, when the, so the chips come down and things are going crazy, like especially like in the climax, there, you know, they're they're all together. They're all working together. Yeah, which is really nice. Which and, is really nice. And I, I would like to think too that he sees in Grover the 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 potential for a very good probe agent. Yes. And yes. he wants to bring him along with that. So I don't know if that's true or not, but I like to think that that's kind of how yeah. he sees him. I think that's that's how we're going to think about that. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I I think my my the thing that really I I you know I'm I'm a big Dumb Clear fan as I said, but the thing I really like about this episode is it does the thing that. Um, a lot of shows didn't really quite do at this time. Uh, one of the reasons why I like the early episodes of Gemini Man is that they would do what this episode does, which is bring it back to the people in doing it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, we're sending you from Los Angeles to Switzerland and you're doing everything over there and we're sitting here. And this is very much from the outset. It's he's coming after us and we have to stop him mm-hmm. before he kills us all. And I like that i mean obviously it gives it more of um not only the time factor but but the fact that it's going to be they they are the ones in danger gives it yeah. an extra kick that um like i said i don't really think you saw a lot of at this time usually you know you'd go out the the, the agent would go out and to wherever and do whatever and meet new people and try to help them out but this i like the fact that it does this. I like the fact that it brings it back home, and I think it makes it more exciting. Well, you know, one of the shows that you could compare this to, and I hadn't really thought about this until you started on this particular train of thought, is that uh, the time tunnel. Oh, yes. And there you have a situation where you've sent the two agents out in in the field, so to speak, and you have a limited ability to be able to work with them, but it would be as if they were in a situation where if they did not succeed in their mission, everything and everyone operating the tunnel would be obliterated, Mm -hmm. and that it would not only mean the deaths of all of their colleagues, but it would also mean that the tunnel to their possibly returning home would have been closed permanently. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's a really good example uh, that you have of what makes this show different from a show like that. Mm-hmm. This is much yeah, more of a fa- this is a family episode here. The threat is inside the family. Yes, yes, yes. And and when you see when you see the gang sitting at their, all their desks and, and stuff, you know that this this. You know this this Mr. McClure running around like crazy trying to figure out what the frig is going on. You know that he's doing this to try to save mm-hmm. them, and which makes it. I I just it give it gives it and it's the perfect sort of thing to do like when you introduce him as sort of like a junior agent or um you know a secondary agent to suddenly have him be the one who has to save them makes it gives him, you know if the, if they're if they're willing to let him be the one who saves them, then, hey, maybe he's not such a junior agent after all. He's got the power yeah. of McClure. 
Yeah. Well, and well, something else that I really admired in this too is that we're starting to to get to know these uh, technicians, not their yes. backstory or anything, but we recognize some of them. And boy, they handled this whole thing like pros. You never saw any of them starting to sweat or worry that maybe they they're should good. be getting out or looking to camera. And yeah, they're they're very good at what they do. And um, in in a uh, future episode uh, that we'll be talking about, I'll, I'll mention an allusion to that that kind of brings that home. Oh, cool. Um, so uh, what, what else do you have on this one? I mean, obviously, as with, with the last couple, we could probably talk for another half an mm. hour, but let's, oh, uh, do, you have any, uh, do you have any other sort of main points? I, I think I've kind of hit my main ones here, but I'm going to have a look. I um I pretty much have uh, gone through everything. There is there there is a nice little bit of humor in this one too about uh, where where um, Rover is in a pool in a swimming pool trying to get to uh, the daughter to find mm-hmm. out what's going on, and he's using this large inflatable pool <laughs> toy, and he's swimming behind it and hiding behind mm-hmm. it, and of course. You know, she has spent all of what about fifteen minutes with him, and yes. uh, but but she is of course so charmed by this man working and promising <laughs> yes. to save her uh, father that of course uh, she has no no hesitation about kissing him. Uh, of course, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so I I I can see why uh, being a secret agent is such an attractive proposition. Yes, <laughs> and and it's it's you know it's it's he's having a good time. He's had, you know and and unlike say uh, Lockwood and Bianco, who we I, I don't have I'm trying to remember have we seen Lockwood? I I, I can't remember when we we saw Lockwood because um, when we first see Bianco, he's beating up a guy in a bar, but and Lockwood is I forget what he's I think he's just in probe when we first see him. Uh, no, when we first oh. see him, he's like. In like a uh, like Latin American country, the very first time we see him get yes. shot at. Yes, it, it, mm-hmm. But 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 the great thing, but the great thing with uh, Grover's characters, you know, is that the lady likes him in this, the daughter likes him. But in the opening scene, you know, he's riding a horse along the Pacific. You know, he's 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 in Los Angeles. You know, I read that San, that's like the Santa Monica area. I recognize that area he's in. And he's riding a horse through the water, and there's this beautiful young woman in a bikini cooking up some stuff on the grill while he's fishing. You know, so he's like, he's having a good time already. <laughs> and then he's also not having a bad time when he goes to the Swan Motel and hangs out with the daughter in the pool, which he does that at the works. end, too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, so um, uh, yeah, I, I think... Um, I, uh, I think that's about all I have for this. Yeah, I mean, like, the Megatrans package, I think, is a silly name, but maybe in 1972 it would have been a great name. I don't know. I mean, is that something where you hear that and you go, oh, or is that just like, hmm, that's a weird name? Well, I, it, it can mean whatever you want it to mean, and I think that's the yes. beauty of it. You know, it's kind of like mm-hmm. uh, Quadro Triticale. Yes, ex- precisely. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds good. Or what was it that they had in a Doctor Who? Was it the Dodecahedron? The Dodecahedron, Meglos. Yes, yeah, the, uh-huh. the Dodecahedron. Yes, the Tigella, the Dodecahedron. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So that's kind of what it's, it's the Megatrans package. Yeah, and they say it so. They say it so quickly that it isn't until 
you're someone like me who's actually taking notes. And I'm like, now what are they saying? The mega trans package. Really? That sounds a little, that sounds like a, I don't know what that sounds like. That sounds like something my Aunt Rose would have bought in like downtown Rochester and she would have brought for me at Christmas. <laughs> Dan, this is the mega trans package. Okay, Aunt Rose, just leave it under the tree. I'll check it out later. I'm a little worried about the package Aunt Rose got me. But, um, uh, but yeah, but yeah, so, so I, I love, I, I'll just say I do love the, the concept behind the mega trans package that when it goes off, it, like, what is it, like within a quarter mile radius, it destroys everything like electronic. Yes. Which is, which is a pretty cool, I mean, terrible in one respect, but cool spy concept. Well, and it sure is possible today when we talk yes. about the, you know, some kind of a pulse knocking out yes. everything. It is a little too close for comfort almost. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's a, there's a, there's a, and then, and then I'll stop talking. Um, but there's a, there's a, there is a great moment when, the plane with the professor and his goon are going to land at the airport and kind of folks are assembled there. And instead of them landing, they drop a parachute with the Megatrans package. So the moment it hits the ground, they're like, what is that? Is that, oh no. And then it starts to short circuit Mm -hmm. everything in the area. And, and, um, and, uh, and Grover has to take off his scanner and he has to unhook his ear jack and everything so he doesn't explode. And that, that was, that was a nice moment when they did that. Cause for a brief second, you're like, what are they doing? Oh no. <laughs> Each. So, um, so do you have anything else on this one, Mitchell? No. Or are you, are you good? I'm good. Awesome. So where can we find you online, sir? Find me at itsabouttv.com, Facebook, Twitter, books, TV guide reviews. It's all there. Yay! Um, and uh, so, so what we're going to do? The next episode will bring us back to Lockwood, so we'll have gone full circle. Ooh! And we'll see, we'll see what we think about returning to Lockwood after seeing the other guys. Yes. Um, Very interesting. So, yes, yes. So, so let me um, let's sign off of here, and we are going to this. <laughs> Good things come to an end. Auto Man, episode 13. Club 10, directed by Kim Manners, written by Michael S. Basser and Kim Weisskopf. Uh, this is an unaired episode in the U.S. of the show. The show was off the air uh, by this time, which is a little sad, but, but we are getting to watch it and talk about it, so that is a little bit happy. So they balance each other out. In this one, there is a... Um, an exclusive resort, and pardon me if you hear a dog barking in the background. It's a dog who's a little sad about our Automan discussions ending. But there is a resort called Club Ten. A good friend of um, Roxanne is there. I think uh, Laura Ferguson is her name, and she Roxanne is watching her apartment in Los Angeles, and Laura leaves a message on um, her 
uh, answering machine message for Roxanne saying basically that she, she met some guy like Felipe or something and they're being uh, held hostage by someone or other. And they learn it's Club 10 is big for diamond smuggling. There's big diamond smuggling going on. And this woman, Laura, got mixed up with this guy, Felipe, and they're trying to double cross like the gangsters and jerks who, who run Club 10. And so, uh, yeah, Roxanne, Walter, and Auto Man head on down to Club 10 with Auto Man and Roxanne sort of being the guests and Walter being the valet, the valet um, for Auto Man. And they um, begin to try to investigate what's going on, try to find Laura try to find her her guy try to find out what exactly is going on and who this old guy is who keeps following them around and it's all exciting it's all great and auto man um has lots and lots of money and 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 uh, makes a big spectacle of himself and it's it's um it's an episode of auto man all right let me uh let me play a little blast of music on the other side kristen and i will wrap up uh well let me go in order, shall I? Um, I'm getting getting ahead of myself because it's, it's we're nearing the end of the episode, folks. We had a show. I had a show end um, uh, last time too, but but we got the singing detective in its place, which is pretty awesome. If you're gonna if you're gonna replace David Lynch, show replaced with something written by Dennis Potter. Um, anyway, so this is the so this will be Chris and myself discussing Auto Man, the final episode, Club Ten, and then just our general thoughts on the show in general. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, listen to this. We're on the other side. Club 10. The final episode of Auto Man. The episode that did not air in America. I believe it aired in Europe. You know, they're always that, that we've seen that thing before uh, on the show here. Um, uh, and I, I know. Um, and we're not going to really talk about this, but I know there was like, there were auto man, there was auto man merchandising and it was more like UK based and things. Cause they, they seem to like our shows that ended early, sometimes more than we did. And cliffhangers, for example, the last episode of cliffhangers, um, aired in, in Europe and thank goodness it did because it finishes the stories. But so so we are in that beautiful space of an episode that did not air on the network uh, that we have access to because of the DVDs. So let's see: is Club Ten any good? Is Club Ten a piece of piece of it? I don't know. But I've got my good friend Kristen Hawes, aka Kiki, writes here, and we are going to discuss whether or not Club Ten is a piece of it. How you doing, Kristen? I'm doing pretty well, Dan. I've got my glass of wine, so we can yes. give Ottoman a proper goodbye toast. How are you doing? Goodbye, sir. I'm doing okay. It's always I, I always mean to to count how many shows we've completed because the previous episode I completed on the air, and we've we've completed at least fifteen shows com- com- completely. We've completely completed fifteen shows on Adventure Super Train, but I I never count. So, um, so uh, yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to miss auto man. I'm going to miss our, our chats about auto man. Um, but I do want to know because we got to get to it. What did you think of club 10? Um, it's weird because I don't think it's a particularly good episode, Hmm. but I still enjoyed it. There was a lot of funny stuff that went on during this episode, even though it was kind of serious because we're looking for uh, Roxanne's friend and the guy she was ends up getting brutally murdered, which is always, you know, a laugh riot. 
but <laughs> there was a lot of funny stuff that did happen in the episode that I really I really enjoyed. So it's kind of a weird episode for me because when I was thinking about it, I'm like, I really because when I watched it the first time back when I binge watched the series, I was like, eh, I don't really care for this episode. And then, of course, I watched it a couple of times again for a chat. And I was like, you know what? It's it's because I I do like it. It's just that I know it's not that great. So, but I did enjoy it. So you can enjoy not great things. That's fine. What did you yes. think about it, Dan? I think enjoying not great things is the way I describe this. Um, it's the, the 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 plot line. I I said in the previous episode, and I'm not gonna. I I forget what it was. Um, w W S and S D. What would Simon and Simon do? And to me, this is an episode that could have been pure Simon and Simon. One brother like goes into this club as like a like I I imagine like one brother going to the club is like a Texas millionaire, and the other brother is like his valet or whatever. And if there's a leading lady in the show, I've never seen Simon and Simon si- S- Simone. Uh, she would be the one who um, you know played the Roxanne character, and they'd go do this. And there's not there's not really anything in this episode. I mean. There is a crazy, you know, car chase as we always have in all the episodes. But there's not really anything in this episode uh, that couldn't have been done by regular humans, to me. Um, so Auto Man is almost superfluous, but because Auto Man is in it, it makes it a little more interesting than other episodes of this sort would have been. The way he sort of gets the ATM machine to give him all the money. The tango, the um, the fact that he he basically tells Walter like, um, well, Walter, you're not going to get in a club ten because you're not as perfect as I am, and all these little moments that that are just that are fun Auto Man moments, and it's funny if the show were to continue, I would want the show to do more episodes that used Auto Man's character. Either, like you said last time, either as like um, Auto Man is learning about humanity, or Auto Man is the superhero. This isn't really either of them, I don't think, um, but it's fun. And so every once in a while, you would have an episode where you may think of it as like um, the 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 old Doctor Who thing, where um, one of the 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 things like some of the writers would have with Doctor Who is that you take someone else's show and you drop the Doctor into it. That's almost what Auto Man is t- in this episode. You know, it's like this is an episode of I don't know Riptide, The Fall Guy, Simon Simon. I'm naming every '80s show I can think of. You know, and they drop this strange neon superhero into it, and he's charming in it, and it's fun to watch. It's very um, lightweight, and that might not be the right word, but I mean the concept is basically, um, friend of Roxanne's goes to a resort, meets a guy named Felipe, they steal some diamonds from some bad guys and hide them somewhere in the resort, and the bad guys try to get them to tell them where the diamonds are. What in that requires a superhero? Nothing. But there is charm in it, and I did enjoy watching it. Um, I also, I wish Auto Man had, well, we wouldn't be talking about it here if it had, but I wish Auto Man had gone up for like six years 
and this would be one of those fun, like, atypical episodes where Auto Man just pretends to be human and he doesn't really do anything that superhero-y. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's, I don't, my favorite episode of Auto Man probably is the one with that computer programmer guy who was controlling all the electricity in Los Angeles. This is nowhere near that, but it's a charmer. And it's a good, if the show has to go out on this, okay, so be it. Um, we love you, Auto Man. Talk to you soon. Uh, what what else what else do you have on this one or or what are some more of your thoughts on this one? Um, you, it was well, it was interesting because okay, so Roxanne thinks that her friend is in danger, so she calls Walter, and Walter goes with her to her friend's apartment, who and she lives in a what Walter says is a really swank building, except it's got a painting from Grandma's living room in the elevator for some <laughs> unbelievable reason. They go into her apartment and they get they catch this guy breaking in. This is how we know what's part of the plot is is because this guy is listening to her answering machine cassette yes. tape while wearing a very festive ski mask. <laughs> and he's interrupted in this with Walter and Roxanne coming in and of course Walter fights with him and he ends up dropping the tape and he gets the best of Walter and leaving because Roxanne's positively useless. And she yeah. just stands there with her hands on her face like, oh, no. I'm like, aren't you a police officer? What do you yes. do there? Yes. Why are you not yes. equipped for this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so you get yeah, this I start. And then when they do take it to the captain, first of all, it's clearly not in their jurisdiction. And then second of all, he's like, well, fine. You can go and, and investigate it. Take Walter. And Walter, here, use your vacation time. What the hell is going on? <laughs> How is this Yes. Going? Yeah, I don't. I don't understand the way that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Someone in human resources gotta get talked to about this because there's something wrong with that. Yeah, because yeah. it's like it's an unsanctioned, unsanctioned investigation, and you're using vacation time for it, and you're encouraging him to use vacation yes. time for it. And the whole point is like the captain is once again annoyed with Walter for some reason because he. Could, it's very inconsistent about when he's annoyed with him and when he's not. Yes. And so he's like so happy to be rid of him. And Jack's like, are you sure? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then later, because, you know, stuff happens and he's now got heartburn and he's ranting at Jack <laughs> like it's all Jack's fault. But <laughs> Walter but Jack and went to investigate yeah. and he yeah. makes Jack go save the day. And it's absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a weird um it's it's a strange well I I did I did note that one of the um one of the writers on the episode um is what was his last name uh crack uh Weiss Weisskopf Kim Weisskopf I believe and Kim Weisskopf's dad was one of the writers on the original I Love Lucy and and Kim Weisskopf was best known for writing like for Three's Company, One Day at a Time, Good Times, The Jeffersons. So I'm I'm wondering if if Kim was thought he was writing something wackier, 
than he was led to believe, or maybe Desi Arnaz Jr. said, you know, or maybe uh, his Desi Arnaz Jr. mom mom was like, you know, hey, you know, we worked with this guy for quite some time. Have him write one of your fun TV shows that you're doing, Desi. <laughs> Or Junior, I don't know what she called him, you know. But but it's funny to see like that name pop up, and it just like like you said, there there are there are bits in the episode that are like, what are we doing here? What what's going on? You know, they're like like um, Otto gets a lot of like fun wacky scenes where he's playing golf and he's you know enlarged and in charge of the big banquet you know um, meal and he's given women diamonds and stuff like that and it's um. It's 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 a weird it, I, part of it to me is almost almost feels like like someone came up with a story okay they've hidden these diamonds and they've kidnapped these two people and then the people who had to write it had no idea what to do so they do all this other stuff around it you know there's this other cop following them around there's this long golfing sequence there's the chief being confusing uh you know with jack there's all this other stuff happening and some of it's a lot of fun but it never really amounts to a an episode it's i guess it's a very lightweight episode is and that might not be right but but is do, do you know what i mean like sort of uh, it, it's it's never like it, it's literally just two crooks more or less stole some diamonds from some other crooks but the first crooks know Roxanne so we're going to help them and it's it, it's just it's 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 weird I don't know I think what it is is that it's even though they like straight up murder Philippe in front of uh, mm -hmm. Roxanne's friend, what's her name? Laura or something like that. Laura, Laura, Laura and Felipe. Yeah. Um, even though they like they like straight up murder him. Um, outside of that, it's just a very um. I think light is an episode. Light is an ad adequate term. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> there's not a whole lot of depth to this episode. It's pretty straightforward, no. and so much of it's played for uh on the lighter side for like humor and stuff mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, somehow it's meant to be a fun episode, and there's this the, horrific murder in the middle of it. In the heart of it, yeah. Yeah, and because I'm like, you know, her friend is going to need some therapy. Dennis Cole straight yeah. up shot that dude, like, right in front of her. They have that big laugh moment in the end with the piranha in the in the aquarium. Yes. And, uh, which is weird because the very last moment, now, I don't actually know what the order of the episodes, um, how they were made. So for all we know, this one came before the last one. But we're watching them in this order. And Auto Man isn't involved in the final scene. He vanishes quite definitively before the final scene. And so the final scene is, is Jack and Roxanne and Wally and Laura laughing hysterically at something that's going on and a freeze frame. Does that have a name? Does that trope have a name? There must be a, some Latin name or something, like maybe like Aristophanes or something, like used to end his comedies with uh, like everyone saying something in Latin and laughing hysterically and freezing on stage or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. That I haven't come across that Latin <laughs> term yet. I'll, I'll let look, you know I'll what look, I do. I'll look for it. Um, uh, I yeah, it's. 
it's it's I mean I almost I almost at this point want to segue into our final talk on the show because this this episode has a lot of what I love about it and what also confuses me about it and doesn't quite work for me um but let's let's finish the um Let's finish the discussion of it. What else do you have? I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my notes. Uh, Laura and Philippe. That's my first note. Laura and Philippe is your first note. Um, <laughs> yeah. My my first note is that was a lackluster search because they chase Philippe down and finally get him to stop. I mean, you're being outrun by a dude who's probably like 50. You should feel some shame. Yes. Because yes. the only reason he stops <laughs> is because you fire your gun and you're supposed to be fit. I just you know go sit somewhere. But if <laughs> he stops. I and they quickly pat him down looking for these diamonds. He's like, he did, and at that point, we don't know exactly what they're looking for, but they give him a quick yes. pat down, and he's like, he doesn't have them. I'm like, sir, you can't definitively say that without a cavity search, now can you? <laughs> now, while I don't expect you to do that in on the sidewalk there, mm-hmm. I'm just saying the, the search, it looks like he literally lived, just like hit his hands twice on his legs and was like, yeah, he doesn't have them. Yes, I'm like, not... how can you tell? You just—you barely touched the man, so that's just a weird thing for me to rant about. But that's what I thought at the time. You know, I—I I, I do like the thought there. There's there's going to be something in our lives where we haven't thought about it before, but we may have to take something where we may have to use a body cavity in some way that we hadn't thought about before, and maybe this is that time. You know, where Philippe is like maybe like two years before he was like, I would never do that. I am Philippe. But he's like, oh, this time, whoa, it's good. Yep, look out. You know, and it's just, yeah, that's Philippe. And I, I'd love it if at the end, if if the code, if we, you know, the code, there's this, they bring up, and they actually, I, I like that they, Wally figures out the code she has hidden on the ribbon of her electric uh, typewriter. Because I used to have one of those. So I know, I know the way that works. And the code is basically like, you know the jewels are the diamonds are hidden in the aquarium, but I would have loved it to have been like the diamonds are hidden in Felipe's, you know, and <laughs> it would have been like what, you know, like uh, oh, and he was dead at that point. Oh boy, oh. that's that's like that suddenly becomes like a strange German fetish film, and I we're yeah. not going to talk. We're not we're not going to that place. That that's, but a, I, that's I, a horse of a different color, right there. It is. But I like the thought that they chase this guy, they grab, and they do some nice, like, running across streets, and cars are hitting them, and they're flying around and everything. And you're like, where is this? What's going on? Oh, it's Club 10. Hmm, yes, okay. And I, I will say, what did you think about the fact that um, Wally Club 10 is supposed to be just for really, really hot people? And Roxanne and Auto Man were allowed in, but Wally, who's half Cuban, wasn't. <laughs> well, <laughs> Auto Man does point out that, you know, it's for tens. And as he said, the computer told him they won't even make an exception for a nine. So I would like to think in my heart that Walter is a nine. So he's, yes. he's incredibly handsome, but just he is, he is. not over the gap. To, to make the 10, probably because he tends to wear sweater vests. That's my theory. <laughs> okay. Okay, because it's funny, because the moment they said that, my first thought, and I, I don't I, I don't normally, um, when I watch something, I don't normally think this, but I thought, so wait a minute, the two white people 
are the tens, and the guy who's Cuban <laughs> oh. isn't the ten. And I thought, wait a minute. But then I thought, no, I don't think they're doing that. They're not doing that. It's Wally, and he's kind of a goofy character. But I had that thought for just a second. And I thought, huh. But then I thought, well, wait a minute, though. Auto Man's, like, perfect. So, yeah, you know, eh. So, but I did have that thought, and I apologize, everyone. I'm not meaning to make this, um, you know, more than it should be. This is a silly show. <laughs> about a hologram superhero and Desi Arnaz Jr. solving crimes in Los Angeles. This, But I did have that thought for a moment. But then I thought, but he's half Lucille Ball, too. So, True. But what, do you have anything else on this one? I, I'm. Um, well, we did have an interesting thing with um, what Auto Man trying to people because he's going through... They think the code might be hidden in Laura's diary journal. And when, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> when he's going through it, he takes it very literally in that he's going to do everything she did. And this involves mm. eating all of this food. Like he's yes. like annoying the hell out of the waiter because he's like, and bring me 17 cups of coffee and an espresso. And he's already got all this food. And then he's like, oh, look, it's time to tango. And he tangos with the bad girl lady and mm. who he tangos better than he strips. Let's just be honest. That was a great yes. dance. So he, he tangled with really her, well, yeah. Yeah. and then he goes and he she reports back to Dennis Cole and I can't think of his character's name, um, but yeah. reports back <laughs> to him and says, "Oh, he's going windsurfing. He's going to go swimming. He's going to play tennis. He's going to do this." He's like he doesn't get tired, and I'm like, "This is why he disappeared at the end because holy yes. crap, yeah. um, he's he's doing all these things and but he's being so very literal." about doing yes. everything in her <laughs> journal, mm -hmm. which I thought was amusing. And he is very literal because there's one joke, and I'm so mad that I laughed at it, and I did. <laughs> <laughs> they sh the, the, the bad lady shows them to their room, and she says, ciao, and he goes, N thank you, we've eaten. And he goes in, and I'm just, I, I friggin' guffawed <laughs> at that, and I'm like, I hate myself for laughing at such a stupid joke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that. Well, you know, we're at the end of Auto Man, folks, and we're all a little bit slap happy because we're saying goodbye to the gang. You know, who, when, you know, like, when, when are we gonna talk about Auto Man again? Probably never. So, 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 I, we're given. You know, we're gonna let this go. I. One of the things I, I, I always, I, I was just watching the golf scene, um, and. It's 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 funny because to me Club Ten is meant to be like a sort of a um, a club kind of a secluded place and kind of a place where all the good looking people go near the water, but on either side of the golf course is a busy street and there are cars constantly going by. So I was like, I fairly certain I'd been at that golf course in Los Angeles. Um, God bless you for... And, but but we they, we wouldn't have been watching this on DVD, so we pro, we might not have seen the cars going by in the background. It's like um, uh, there, there's a movie um, a few years after this called Rock and Roll Nightmare with John Michael Thor and in it, he and his band go to a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere that's possessed by demons except... As they're getting out of their car, you can see on the DVD, like, there's a street right there. And there are cars going by. 
and there are plenty of people passing by, so they're not in the middle of nowhere. But I don't think you would have seen that if you had originally watched it on the VHS. So I, I think that when I watch the golf scene, to me, they're supposed to be sort of the beautiful golf course on this beautiful uh, club med, you know, type place. But really, they're in Van Nuys, you know, and they're they're not too far from the Denny's. You know, we're going to stop there, get the moon over my hammy, you know, and head home. That kind of thing. Um, and I, um, one more thing about the captain in this episode. Is he drunk or high or something? Like a few of the scenes with the captain. Like the scene with Jack where he tells him to go out and see them. He's like leaning back and he's like, hey, Jack. I want, and he's just, I don't know. I just saw that scene again and I was like, the captain's a little weird in this think- episode. Maybe. In that episode, in that or episode, in that scene, uh, he he seemed to have heartburn. Is what it mm. what it was the stress of dealing okay. with Walter was giving him heartburn. That was the <laughs> that was the the read I was getting off of that. Okay, and it's funny because of course Walters, along with Agent Auto Man, are always solving their big crimes. So you would think he'd calm down a bit. A bit. But, you know, I don't know. I guess, like, McLeod's boss yelled at him for six seasons. So that's that shit's going to happen. Um, yeah. uh, what else do you have on this one? I'm going to do a final scan. I feel I've always feel bad when we get to the last episode. I want to have more notes. 3748 Golden Crest View. That is where Walter lives. Oh, well, that's handy. In Los Let's Angeles. <laughs> yeah, let's visit. Let's visit. Um, that sounds like a place in 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 Los Angeles somewhere. Uh, let's see. What else do you have? Anything else on this one? Let's see. Um, oh, so I have to point this out. So Walter ends up getting yeah. framed at some point. Oh yes, yes, and, yes. Because uh, he wakes up in a sand trap with the gun that killed Philippe. And Inspector Mercer arrests him, puts him in a jail cell. And in this jail cell is a drunk, an old drunk, like Otis from Mayberry. And I'm like, do these jail cells come with drunks or, like, furnished with drunks? Because there always seems to be one in there. Yes. And then later, Auto Man shows up and busts Walter out of jail, which goes – which is a great switch from when he was being nasty Eddie in the previous episode. He's mm-hmm. like, I can't go. You program me to follow the law. I can't just break mm. you out. And he's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, you have to this time. And so they merge and he walks out the, the, through the wall in front of this drunk guy. And he's just like, yeah, no, I didn't see this. And <laughs> kind of rolls over. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it would have been the classic sort of, uh, I've thrown the bottle away. And like, I've had enough of that. Oh, yeah. I, I love, was he, was he, was that drunk guy, do you think he was at Club 10? Do you think maybe like a few weeks ago he looked much better, but the demon drink got to him? I think they probably found him on the golf course sleeping. (laughs) Yes, yes. With a bottle of rum. Put him in a cell and just keep him, give him an IV of of gin and he'll be okay. (laughs) Um, Let's see, uh... What else? Uh, I'm gonna. I like I said. When, whenever at the end of a series, I always try to milk my notes. But I'm, I'm at the end of my notes. That the address was the last, the last one I really had. I just like that that Jack got to be the hero in a sense that he came yes. in at the very end, 
and then and he also got the last joke. I feel that's fitting, considering mm-hmm. Jack has been like the shining, the the, the shining beacon in this yeah. series. He's been he, yes. like the the unsung hero really throughout. Yes. Jack has been a joy. I mean, obviously yeah. of Auto Man and Walter, but there in the background you have Jack, who well, I think we said before that we want to see the the prequel series about Jack's life yes. at this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I feel that it's fitting that he gets the last joke, mm-hmm. even though Auto Man yeah. wasn't there. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I guess maybe, um, maybe would you like to segue into our closing thoughts on Auto Man? Um, yes, I suppose this is the time. <sighs> okay, so, <laughs> so I, I, I want to, um, I want to say thank you for, um, suggesting auto man i'd been meaning to um watch it forever and luckily i have a podcast where if i watch it i can talk about it a lot (laughs) maybe maybe too much sometimes but um so we're at the end of the series and i'm going to it's your choice you you can give your thoughts uh, uh, uh on the show or you can have me give my thoughts first it's your choice I will go ahead, since I suggested the show, I'll go ahead and listen to your thoughts first. Wonderful. I'm going to do that. I think I think that the thing at the end of the day with Auto Man is that I compare it to, and I forget the fourth show that Glenn A. Larson had out this season. I want to say it was Super Squad. I, I don't know what the name of it was. Um, Surgery Squ- Police or something. I forget. Oh, I don't know uh, what the name of it Trauma was what the was it trauma okay trauma <laughs> um, or something like that yeah yes yes exactly yeah um so on eventually super train we have covered masquerade manimal and now auto man and of the um of the three my favorite it <sighs> uh, is it's actually probably manimal because at the end of because Manimal is ridiculous, but well, well, let's go to Masquerade first. And this, this is this is the, I got four hundred things going in my head. I'm gonna try to say them as quick as I can. Masquerade is a fun show, and I love the premise. But when Amanda and I were talking about it for every episode, and forgive me talking so quickly, I can maybe I can slow this down in the edit. Dan, note, slow this down in the edit. I'm not gonna remember that. The thing with Masquerade is Masquerade has a great premise, but but the thing about it is that Rod Taylor gets stuff to do, but Greg Evigan and Kirstie Alley don't really get a lot to do. They're sort of very peripheral characters for a lot of the episodes, and you get all these other new characters in every episode, sort of, you know, Love Boat meets Mission Impossible, and so some episodes are fantastic, and you watch them, the ones with the ninjas, for example. You watch them and you go, this is exactly how this show should be. But then there are other episodes where you watch it and you think, what are they doing? No one seems to be in charge here. And so it it ends up, in the end, being a mix of really great stuff and really like, eh. Manimal is a ridiculous premise, but Manimal has something that I don't think Auto Man or, um, or, or Masquerade has, which is that the three leads of Manimal are all completely watchable at all times one of the things with masquerade and auto man is there are episodes where like if rod taylor isn't in in the scene you kind of lose interest 
if Auto Man isn't in the scene, sometimes I lose interest. But Manimal, Manimal, his his buddy and um, the lady cop. It's been a long time since I watched the show. Um, they're all so charismatic and charming that as long as they're in it, it's worth watching. And so, and also, Manimal has that thing that Charlie um, mentioned to me when we were watching it, where Manimal knows that it's silly and seems to be winking at itself. Um, so, so, but so then we get to Auto Man. My problem with Auto Man is that it really feels like of the shows, of the three shows, this feels like one that Glenn A. Larson abandoned too quickly. Before he had, it's like he set it up and then went on and did another show. And no one kind of sat down and was like, okay, we've got a, like a superhero here. Let's, you know, let's sort of tell stories that fit the character. And they really only do that like once with that computer programmer guy. The other times, so many of the episodes are interchangeable with other cop shows and, and such. But Auto Man is great in the episodes whenever he shows up. Unfortunately, sometimes to me, when Auto Man's not there, the episodes drag a bit. Um, and I really feel like what the show needed is it needed a strong showrunner, head writer, to come in after Glenn A. Larson left and say, this is what the show can do. Because I felt like after the pilot... It kind of, it's here, it's there, it's it's great one week, it's not so good the next week, it's okay the next week, it's great, you know, it's just so uneven that when it ended I thought, but you know, some shows I watch and they start off strong and then fade, some shows are great all the way through, some shows start off um, weak and get better, Auto Man I felt never quite hit its potential, but it almost does so often that kind of broke my heart in the end but I'm so glad I watched it because I had fun watching it and I would have loved to have seen if they could have just got someone in to sit everyone down and say here's what the show is because I don't feel like Glenn A. Larson did that I felt like he said here's my pilot episode here's one more episode I'm out of here I gotta work on uh, you know, uh, masquerade or stress factor or whatever that other show you said was trauma center. Yeah, um, you know, I got to work on that or or um, Night Rider. I'm you know developing Night Rider. It just feels like, and and not that Glennie Larson is always the most creative guy in the room, but um, when he's when he's he's more involved I, I just didn't feel like he was that involved in the show and he just kind of gave them an idea wrote a couple episodes and then left and then no one took it from there um that's not to say it's not fun to watch because i think we had fun watching them uh, but um there's potential there that is never tapped uh which kind of breaks my heart a little but that's the thing with short-lived shows is that you'll you'll encounter one that you absolutely adore all the way through and then you'll encounter one where you're like oh i wish there'd been more to that and uh so auto man i'm glad i watched it thank you um but boy i wish maybe a comic book or something could i don't know but um 
but thank you, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, having us uh, uh, go through this. And and what what did you think? What did you think about Automan getting the end of it? Well, since I have never seen Masquerade and I haven't seen Manimal since I was a kid, mm-hmm. I can only go off my own biases about Automan. And I actually I really do like this show. Like I said when we first started, this is not a show you binge watch because yes. what you what's charming about the show quickly becomes grating if you watch too many episodes in a row. <laughs> um, this is a show that you watch, you put on, and um, you kind of let it just wash over you. You don't think about it too much like we do. We do, you don't want to you know take it too literally or too seriously. Yeah, <laughs> you just enjoy it for what it is, and I totally agree with you. In that it's very uneven. It's like it couldn't decide what it wanted to be, and it suffered greatly from that. Um, but like, I th- it's got the high moments with um, oh, biggest game in town is the episode that, that we both I think is our favorite with the yes. yeah. the game developer. We absolutely love that episode, and then it's got some a couple of clunk you know clunkers, and then it's got the episodes which I kind of think of as like the the standard. Auto Man episodes, so it's it's the white guys doing really ridiculous white collar crimes for like the <laughs> most bizarre reasons. Like Clue Gulliger is yeah. making counterfeit yes. money so he can pay for his wedding. Yeah. For whatever reason, I love that, and I think of that mm-hmm. as being the core Auto Man series. Though having mm-hmm. Auto Man go up against those crimes because those crimes are just so off the wall, mm-hmm. and then you have those those excellent episodes like biggest game in town where it's like a total roller coaster throughout and then you have episodes like the the last episode we talked about not club 10 the one before that death by design which should have been split you know split into two episodes so you know i like you said it it really did need somebody to come in and go this is what the show is let's go with that and and stick to that tone because it is really kind of uneven throughout. But it is charming. It is a good time. Mm. It's yes. It's not you know, it's not Emmy worthy. You're not, <laughs> and you're not gonna like <laughs> glean anything you know in any important life messages from it. But <laughs> it's not. You're not really wasting the the forty seven minutes or whatever it is, fifty minutes, yeah. whatever it mm-hmm. is. You're not. It's not a waste of time because it is a good time. So and the cast is just so great. Desi Arnaz Jr. Mm-hmm. and Chuck Wagner are absolutely fabulous in this. Particularly Chuck Wagner. I don't think he got enough credit for being Auto Man because he he provided depth to a hologram, and <laughs> <laughs> that's not easy to do. And if you do get the DVDs and you happen to watch the cast interviews, I don't know if you did that. I did. I, I did. Did you? Are they not he's the most the, adorable he's... cast? Yes, yes. They yes, are and it's so great. Adorable. Yes, true. Yes, yes. And when you hear them talk about making it, making the show, and that they, how much they enjoyed themselves, even though some of the stuff when Chuck Wagner's talking about everything that he had to do as Auto Man, it was basically it sounded like torture. And he's still <laughs> saying, but I had a wonderful time doing this. Yes. That kind of, I think seeps into the show a little bit and you can see mm-hmm. that they are having a good time and I think that's yeah. part of why even if the show doesn't always work that why it's so enjoyable to watch because you know they were enjoying themselves yes 
So yeah. that's my final thoughts. I, I love Auto Man. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> I'm going to miss talking yes, about him. Yes, me too. I'm going to miss Jack. Me too. Oh, and Roxanne. Yeah. Oh, Jack and Roxanne, Captain, yeah. Captain Boyd, and I finally remember their names. Yes. After thirteen episodes. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. I. I think. I think Auto Man is one of those shows that needed more time to develop. Thirteen episodes. You know. I. I think if if Auto Man had gone on for three seasons or four seasons these first 13 episodes would be ones that we looked at and they would be absolutely charming but not the best I think whatever would have come after this would have been sort of the best and um, uh, but yeah thank again thank you so much for um, taking me on an auto man journey I'm so glad that I could <laughs> and I'm good I mean our, our last journey was the Green Hornet which um which had well, they were half hour episodes, but it was a much longer journey. Um, and uh, yeah, this one, um, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, it's funny. I have Club Ten playing here, and I've got questions about where exactly Club Ten is set, and um, all all kinds of questions. And um, uh, but yeah, it's I I would say as far as the shows we've covered on Adventure Super Train, if if you like Glennie Larson stuff, if you like, just, it's fun. It's a fun show that is, I would say, the worst part about it is it's just it's underdeveloped. And as it's a short-lived show, that happens a lot. So, um, so goodbye, Auto Man. You shall be missed. And um, I guess, Chris, one more time. Where can we find you online? You can find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. That is the home for my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Five-O podcast. Great. And if Desi Arnaz Jr. or Chuck Wagner or Heather McNair are listening, you can totally follow me on Twitter at kikiwrites. Yes. Yes. And if you are listening, I love the show so much. I just I'm being overly critical because if I said I loved every single thing we watched, it would get silly. <laughs> so so the point the point it was funny uh, and I'll, I'll, and we'll sign off. Um, someone asked me at the end of 2020. This is early 2021. Sort of what the premise of the show, you know, what the show was about. And I said it's like you know they have shows like you know there are Doctor Who shows that go through episode at a time or story at a time. You know, X Files. There are Happy Days shows. I know because I do that. There's a Hawaii Five-O show done by a woman that I know. I don't remember her name. There's a um, there's a Trapper John show done by another woman I know. You know, a friend of mine does a MASH show. You know, there are all these shows. The purpose of Adventure Super Train is to take shows that were canceled way too early and treat them as if they were MASH or Cheers or Hawaii Five-O. And so... If if you're listening and you're like I didn't like the way they discussed episode eleven, um, we're just we're just having fun. It's just fun, you know. You know, Kristen is an intelligent, wonderful writer whose work I appreciate and enjoy. But but I'm an idiot with a microphone, so don't you know? Just don't you know? If any of you are listening, please talk to us. That would be great. So. 
uh, Kristen, do you have anything else on Auto Man? I'll wrap it up after that. Um, I just, I love this show. I think people should at least watch it and enjoy it as much as we do. And Dan, I don't think you're an idiot with a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was trying to be a little, you know. Uh, I know um, you were trying to um, be modest and humble, <laughs> but you know what? Auto Man is not modest and humble, and we should follow True. his example. So. True. You're great, yes. and I'm great, and Auto Man's great. You are, you are. God bless everyone. And so that that was Auto Man, and um, yeah, this episode's at an end, everyone. So let me just give you a little closing, and um, next episode we'll have a whole uh, brand new old show to talk to you about, and um, maybe it'll be great as Auto Man. Maybe it won't. To be honest, I haven't watched it yet, so who knows. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again, Kristen and um, Auto Man. You will, gang, you will be missed. So that was episode 102, everyone, and that was the end of our Auto Man journey, isn't it? Um, you know, it's always sad when we when we leave a show behind and uh, or when we finish a show. I mean, we can return to the show. We never have to leave it behind. But it's also sadder when I'm an idiot and I schedule two shows to end one episode after the other. But the joy of it is that we get two new shows. I mean, we're still with the next episode. We are going to be episode one of A Brand New Old Show, episode two of Singing Detective, and episode four of Search. So it's going to be awesome. We're beginning again, more or less. Not really, but kind of. I think you'll like the next show we're going to talk about. I think it's going to be a very nice contrast to Search and the Singing Detective. And so... It'll be it'll be fun, and uh, we're gonna have brand new guest hosts. There'll be a uh, uh, another a guest host. This one again, an old an old friend will be coming back. There there's uh, there are times when you bring in all new guest hosts, like when say when we brought in like Tim last year, uh, and there are times when you just like to be with comfortable with people who you enjoy talking with, and that's what uh, that's what uh, that's what we're doing now. So yeah, uh, uh, I don't know. How are you? No, I'm um, so where, where can we find us online? Eventually, supertrain.blogspot.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. You can email me at Danny D A N N Y Slacks S L A C K S at yahoo.com. Uh, let's see, uh, we are on at eSupertrain1 over on Twitter and uh, eventually, supertrain and Facebook and um. Yeah, we're just hanging out, having a good time, watching old shows and and, um, enjoying ourselves. So yeah, so next time when we meet, it'll be um, episode four of Search and Lockwood will be returning. So now we've 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 cycled through the three main probe agents and now we're we're having having Lockwood return and we will be discussing episode one of a new show um that comes with baggage that that is all i will tell you about it and episode two of the singing detective so thank you again everyone for listening and i'll play you out with a little bit of this 